Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we have read chapters 30, 31, and 32 of Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson, and we will be talking about them and reviewing them and, and things like that. Wherein. No, no, not at all. It's this is a special occasion that, for only. Uh, that was uh, oh. that was the, that, that was the worst intro I think you've ever done. Wow. <laughs> that, 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 we're, we're, we're gonna have to redo uh, this, cat. No, don't redo it. I leave this all in. It's gold. <laughs> okay, we're doing it live. Uh, <laughs> so in these chapters, Blush Weaver and Light Song hang out. They 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 meet up with Hope Finder and negotiate the use of his. Uh, Lifeless, that's what those things are called. Took me a second. And then Vivenna and Co. meet up with some of the Idrians who live in Tatalir. That's the name of the city. And that doesn't go super well. A little bit of action in there that you guys have been begging for. And finally, Siri and Lightsong hear some stories from an old friend of ours who you guys have also probably been waiting for. So I'm Data, and with me is... Janie. Jack. And I'm Joe, and I'm tired, but not as tired as Data, apparently. I am a little bit tired, but uh, you're just uh, you're flubbing your words a lot, buddy. Yeah, well, you know, didn't didn't get a lot of sleep the last few days, and it's okay. These things happen. Anyway, hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. To emerge and to breathe anew. For a purpose so far from my own And this world I've awoken to Seems familiar but somehow unknown And the branches of gold on the skyline Reach out to the sweep of the stars The beginnings and endings of lifetimes A guidance of light from afar Down, down, down So yeah Three more chapters. We get a lot of uh, kind of backstory from our, our good buddy Hoyd and uh, a little bit of action. What did you guys think of these three chapters? Yeah, now I thought they were they were still pretty good. I definitely enjoyed Hoyd having a little bit more of a of a, a role to play in here rather than just being a, a passerby, which obviously you know Lost Metal he had a, a bit more of a role, but it was good to actually have more of a conversation with him, which was kind of cool. And yeah, so some interesting surprises in there for theory, which is is very interesting. Hmm, okay. Yeah, things got a little intense there with Vivenna, hey. And then the lifeless, it was it was I'm glad we finally got to see some lifeless doing their thing as much as it's their thing. Also a bit of a a bit of a scary kind of situation there. And where they left that, yeah, Jules is is gonna be real mad. <laughs> Yeah, that's she already doesn't like Vivenna. Knowing what we know about Claude, this was um this is not gonna go well uh, <laughs> for Vivenna, I think. Who else did we see? We saw oh and Siri no, she was talking to Hoyd, that's okay. Uh Blush Weaver and Light Song was the other one. stuff. Blush Weaver, yes. Your favorite Light character. Song. Yeah, I just I still don't like her. I do enjoy her being a little taken aback by by Light Song's antics in the beginning. I love that he's just like, I don't know what I know and what I don't know. I'm just gonna try all the things. It just sounds so much fun. Could you imagine if you had all of these hidden skills that no one knew you had, even yourself? And yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's a light song I'd like to spend some time with a little bit more. But yeah, I thought I thought that was a pretty interesting conversation. 
I'm struggling with like visually putting together. Uh, I can't remember this other god's name. Uh, Hope Finder. Hope Finder, yes. Like the visual of him being a fairly young boy, but all knowing and wise as a god. It's um interesting, mm. an interesting concept, and and that they age, but not all of them do, and yeah, that's something to wrap my head around. But also the the moment that Light Song's like, oh, actually, Blush Reaver's serious about this. This isn't just something she's toying with. This is, yeah, she didn't consider for a second not giving up her vote. She was like, well, I need your commands, and this is how I'm going to do it. Like, I'm I'm definitely all in for this. She really believes it's happening, so. It's kind of a scary moment too. And she holds, seems to hold quite a bit of sway and, and power amongst the gods that we've seen anyway. So, yeah, that's a little terrifying where that's going to go. But all in all, three good chapters. I am still really liking this story. Yeah, talking about Blushweaver's power, she apparently has gotten has gotten now the commands from two of the other gods. So she controls 50% of the mm. lifeless army. That's uh, That's a big deal. Yeah. You, you made me think about like when you're talking about light song. So if you were trying to figure out what secret talents you might have, what's the first stuff that you would try? Oh, oh, that's that's a hard one. I don't know. <laughs> this is where I mean, I, shows I, up. He's like, whatever, dude, let's go bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's really different if you're, you know, effectively immortal. I, you know, you might be willing to try something a little more dangerous. I I would. I don't know. Would you like go walk a tightrope or something? Maybe you've got like acrobatic skills. Like that would be kind of cool. But you, you'd have to start small on that, I reckon, if you knew that you could die. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't. You you don't know what you don't know. Hey. <laughs> That's exactly Sorry, his that, problem. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, so, hang on. Let's go back there. That is the best thing to put on a t-shirt. Start small if you know you might die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That's that is fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I think maybe uh, I think maybe I'd try to see if I could dance well. I was a good dancer. Hmm. See, there's there's a start small as long as it's you know not tightrope dancing. Yeah. 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 Or not pole dancing, you know that might be <laughs> might be a little there's, dangerous. There's less chance of dying while dancing, presumably. Anyway. Do you imagine how boring it would be to like figure out, you know, are you a good like manager or a good leader because like, <laughs> that is a real skill don't get me wrong right but having to yeah. go through them all to figure it out you know i mean or is figuring out like you're a lion tamer or something like that would be pretty <laughs> wild <laughs> the problem with having the skill of management though is the people who aren't good at it they don't recognize that they're not good at it yeah now, now that we've said this, I just want more and more scenes of Light Song doing increasingly bonkers things. Like, am I good at this? It's like, oh my god, why are you wrestling a Jaguar? Because I want to know if I'm good at it. <laughs> he, he he tries some weird stuff right off the bat. Like He's like, maybe I'm good at juggling. Turns out I am. He also tries some of the things I would have tried, where he's like, let's see if I know any other languages. Like That's a simple one that you can try to figure out. That's a pretty good one, yeah. But yeah, because it can be very useful if you secretly do several languages. I definitely think art and pottery, like something creative, it would be really cool if you if you just sort of knew how to do mm-hmm. that. Or cooking, yeah. you know, put a whole bunch of stuff in front of you and it's like, can I make something out of it? Is it instinctive? <laughs> that would be mm. that would be interesting. It'd be funnier if he just like stood in front of a mirror and was like, I know kung fu. <laughs> 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 uh, 
yeah, these these chapters were a lot of fun. Since we're talking about it, uh, yeah, I loved the scene of Light Song trying to figure out his past skills, and Blushweave is just like, what the fuck is going on right now? It's like I think it's the first time we've really seen her caught off guard by something, so that was hilarious to me. But I think Hopefinder, oh, you're the first really interesting return aside from Light Song that we've seen. I think like cause he's he, this guy seems pretty switched on, and just yeah, the juxtaposition of him being in the most immature body is yeah really fascinating. So like I hope we, I hope we see more of that guy. The action scene was cool. It's really cool to see the lifeless in action. To go to Hoyd, I gotta really ask the question: Why the fuck was he a beggar on Skadrill and Cell? Because like on Nalthus and Taldane, he is damn good at being a professional entertainer. It's like, why doesn't he sell that skill elsewhere? He is wasted as a beggar. It's true. Yeah, maybe maybe traveling minstrels or whatever aren't that popular. In <laughs> I mean, Skadrill, I can sort of see it because I mean, maybe you think that like the nobles would have still had at least in era one would have still had entertainers at their balls and stuff. So I don't know, but, um, sell, surely he could have sold that skill on sell. Hmm. It's alliteration. I guess later uh, on, he's a, he's a driver on Skadriel, which seems an even like utter random choice, but it helps you stay close to wax. If that was what he was interested in. Yeah. That one seemed to make more sense. And like, he seemed to repeat, he did that a couple of times, yep. but then he, like, he, he still fell back on being a beggar, even in era two. Like, it's true. <laughs> dude, Why? So, but yeah, no, seeing him do his thing, that was fascinating. I loved watching, uh, watching Hoyd chop and do that. The other, and the other thing I, I want to bring up is like, the uh, Venna, I think, now that we've been around her for quite a while, I think she's probably actually the least interesting protagonist we've had in a Sanderson book so far. Interesting. Um, and I don't mean that to try and bag her out as a character. I'm sure it's like, she's got some good stuff coming because Sanderson usually will build something with his, with his leads. But I think, just her, you know, she's your typical haughty princess who is learning that you know, your standard, the world is not what you thought lesson. But we're already like halfway through the book and she's still learning it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how much more, like, how much more time are we going to spend on this? I want to, I want to get to the point where she accepts, okay, the world is different to what I thought. I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that knowledge and start putting back based on that. So I, w- I would like to see that. But there was a moment in these chapters. And it was only a fleeting moment where she mentioned something like, her, like she, like her childhood was stolen from her in preparation to come to Halandrin, and then, the, mm. and then that purpose was stolen from her as well. And like you see, there's actually some seething rage in there that like she has never had any autonomy of her own based on that. And I just thought, whoa, stop, stop, stop! Can we focus on that? Because that sounds fascinating. And the, but we just breezed over it. I want to go back to that. I want to know, like, come on, Vivana, tell me what pisses you off, because I want to see you do something for you. Because yeah, like I, I once I caught that mention, I'm just like, holy shit, there's some real issues here that we could look at, and it sounds fascinating to me. I don't want to see more of just a uh, like this is what the Idrian people are, like should be, and the Idrian people are just like, fuck no. I'm like oh, okay, but yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting, and I hope that you're right, and that. We we get more of a look at Vivenna and, and who she actually is now that she's gone through something so crazy. Like she had a point where she was trying to awaken something that's a fundamental shakeup of of who she is, and then what you're saying, Jack, there as well. I think that'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. we get more of that. I'm with you. Yeah. The as soon as you were like, th- there's that one moment. I knew which moment you were going to refer to because it does. It really feels like. The first time we we feel we see what she's really feeling or like what's going on deep down where she spent she spent 
her whole life and most of this book being like, no, I have to be the good the princess. I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, and we get that one little glimpse. It really seemed like it was the first time all book where she wasn't thinking about what her country needed, what her dad needed, what her sister needed, what anyone else needed. She's just like, this is what I fucking need. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, OK, let's explore that, please. Mm-hmm. But but then she's like, back to the mission. Yeah, it's like, I I mean, I've talked about this before. I don't have a problem with selfless characters who are utterly devoted to doing what other people need. But it can get frustrating when it's mixed up with the naive character who doesn't get how the world works and has to constantly keep getting multi multiple facets of the world being explained to her, as happens here with the gang leaders, that the Adrian people aren't what she thought. Like, mixing those two together is just a bit frustrating to see constantly unfolding. So, uh, yeah, I'll, like, contrary to what I may have said in the past, I want to see Vivenna get a bit selfish. Because, frankly, I think she deserves it at this point. That's an interesting, interesting way to look at it. It's like, she deserves to be selfish. Get it, get out there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, these chapters, uh, good. A lot of exposition still. Some action. Uh, I did like the... I don't know even how to describe it. It's like the exposition that we get in the form of Light Song thinking about how gods work to himself which like why was light song <laughs> doing that it was kind of weird but yeah his meeting with with uh with the 13 year old god kid i actually found him kind of my personal opinion i found it kind of boring I've, I've i feel like i've seen like the cynical child like physically look like a child but like the old man cynical mentality in trope in a young person's body like thing before i was kind of like yeah it's not really not really doing it for me especially because he's like because then it it's like he's he's interested in politics he wants to sell his his uh stuff so that voting goes a certain way for him and it's just like eh, i don't know it just seems really like a weird motivation even if you are super into like helping the people in the way of government like, I don't know, it just seems like a really weird motivation to be like, yeah, I'll give you control of these armies for this vote, because I don't think we're going to go to war or whatever it was he was thinking. Not thinking, you know, as a return, it's like, dude, if you give her those armies, she could start a, like, forget about avoiding a, like, avoiding a war between interest and Haldrin. She could just start one. Mm. Um, but anyway, and then we've got, uh, I kind of went out of order here, but uh, we've got the Vivenna stuff. Claude coming in to save her, cool moments. I agree with Dak and Jamie. Those those kind of internal struggle moments. We, we've kind of seen a bunch of them so far, but the the touch where she actually feels her own feelings for once, for like a few seconds. Interesting character development. Even stronger character development uh, when in dire need she tries to use the awakening power. So I kind of think that maybe this is the turning point for her after having this experience of almost being killed after being saved by Claude, after almost turning to Awakening anyway, I think this is kind of her turning point. Maybe we're going to start to see her learning how to awaken and use these powers and actually take charge of her own destiny. Because she's come to grips with a lot of like deep stuff, seeing the Idrian people in Tetelir. So, so we've got that portion, and then we've got uh, we've got Siri and Hoyd. A lot of exposition again, but all interesting things. You know, I'll accept the exposition when it's like 
hey, I'm flat out telling you this guy's a storyteller. He's going to tell you these histories. Uh, you know, I, I buy I that. You're about to say, I'll accept exposition when it's delivered by the sexy drifter. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, it makes sense. It's like story-wise, like she wanted to hear these stories. So its delivery makes complete sense. So yeah, I enjoyed all of the information that we got. I'm hoping that this is a big turning point in the books. Each section felt like we're on the verge of something. So I feel like it, that's very promising for what we're going to experience going forward, hopefully. Hopefully that momentum doesn't drop immediately in the next section. And hopefully Vatra will show up. But anyway. Who knows? Maybe he'll 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 come around somewhere. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Somebody just really, really loves Vasher, the, the the even sexier drifter. Yeah, he's not sexier, but he is cool. Because he's got a sword instead of a flute. He's got a talky sword. It's true. He's got an evil killing sword. You don't see Vasher riding our corpse parts. I mean, I think he could if he wanted to. That seems like pretty easy. He could just be like, hey, lifeless, become a boat. That and is true. He could just ride the that. corpse boat. Yeah. What if Spanky was a lifeless? Whoa, that'd be way, that'd be out there, man. Whoa, man. Yeah. We're through the looking glass. Yeah, totally. Could do, it could be. I mean, we don't uh, we don't know anything about Spanky really except that his parents were still alive and married. Yeah. There you go, Brandon, if you're listening, that's the story that people want. Spanky story. Yeah, Redcon Spanky. Yeah. <laughs> Redcon Spanky as lifeless. Give us the backstory. We want it all. I mean, didn't he say he was considering doing a novella about human, the Coloss, and then he just instead just like gave everyone that guy's life story of when he was a when he was actually a person and just dumped it online? Yeah, that sounds familiar. That sounds like a thing I said. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is yeah, do this even if you don't like write a a novella for it, even though you totally could, you can do the same for Spanky. Yeah, everybody needs needs story. There's there's so many of these. uh, Little things that he's, you know, questions he's answered and stuff that they call the words of Brandon. And there's a there's a whole website that stores them. Sometimes they change, you know, he's, he'll say one thing and then later it'll be like, no, nah, I've changed my mind on that. But somebody in the discord was suggesting that we have like uh, every episode we have like the word of Brandon of the week or whatever. And they were like, and you could ask the audience to submit uh, stuff. So I'm considering that possibility. I mean, usually if I feel a thing that he said in that context is relevant, then I'll just put it in the episode anyway. And yeah. if it's not if it's not relevant, then it would be weird to throw it Which, out here for us to talk about. But I don't know. Which I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to say it seems like every new section we read of this book, like there's more and more like sort of hinting at the relationship between Claude and Jules. And, I'm, and then I remember what you told us. And presumably he told us because it's not in the book. I'm like, how is it not in the book? They're leaning on it so fucking hard. Mm. Yeah. The uh, well, you know, hindsight and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. If if we didn't know, would we pick up on this at all? Yeah, that's but, the. Uh, I'm curious about the alternate universe where I didn't say anything. And would you guys be like, do you think that maybe like Jules and Claude and somebody's like, no, ew, of course not. Well, Brandon would never I, do that. Well, when actually, when I think of alternate universes. That difference does not cross my mind. There's uh, there's far more interesting alternate universes out there for sure. But it's like like Jamie actually had a theory about who about what happened to Arsteel after dying, which and then you brought that up and 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 Jamie said, oh well, that doesn't work anymore. So right. Yeah, and I think with what we read this week, actually seeing Claude in action, you go, oh, actually skilled swordsman. Maybe you would have gone. Maybe we could have predicted that. Yeah. With the information we have yes. now, obviously not then, but, you know, we might have gone in a different direction. 
Yeah. Yeah, so thanks for shitting on that, Data. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, if, if, you, data. if you predicted it and it wasn't mentioned in the book, then, like, you never, it never would have come true? I don't know. David, did you tell us what that – did you say that prediction on the show, or did you tell me afterwards? She mentioned it. No, I was on the show. Yeah, okay. after, we, we after got I revealed predictions that it and I was like, so my prediction was that he was light song or whatever, but – That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if we talked about it afterwards or if you mentioned it on the show. No, I was on the show. All right, let's let's do this thing. Let's get into these chapters. So we start out as we've discussed with Light Song and Blush Weaver. She's like, "What? What in the name of the iridescent tones are you doing?" And he's sitting here. He's he's had his people bring in like pottery wheel, and he's trying to throw a, a pot or something, and it doesn't work well. <laughs> like it just there's clumps go flying everywhere, and he's like, "Huh? Yeah, that is an art, man. You cannot just like get on the pottery wheel and expect it to." Uh... It's true. To do your bidding, so it is a whole thing. Just need Patrick Swayze as a ghost. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And so he, he, she's like, "What was that?" And he's like, "I just discovered that I'm no good at pottery. Actually, I'm worse than no good. I am pathetic, ridiculously bad." And she's like, "Uh huh. Well, what did you expect?" And he's like, "I don't know." And she's just like, is, "Is everything okay?" Because he picks up some lemon, five lemons, and starts to juggle them. And she's like, "Are are, are you all right, dude?" And he says, I never practiced juggling. Grab that guava fruit and toss it in here. And so he's he's good at juggling. Like, honestly, that that's such a simple thing that you can easily try. That might also be one of the first things that I tried. Like, yeah, can I juggle? And she's just like, cannot figure out what to say to this. I don't know that I've ever seen another god throwing fruit into the air. And so he sums it up. Today I've discovered I know a surprising number of sailing terms, that I am fantastic at mathematics, that I have a fairly good eye for sketching, on the other hand, I know nothing about the dyeing industry, horses, or gardening. I have no talent for sculpting. I cannot speak any foreign languages. And as you can see, I am terrible at pottery. And she's just still like, what, what is happening here? And he explains, like, look, these skills that Light Song has no right to know, these are from who I was before I died. And she says, we're not supposed to worry about that. And he's like, I'm a god. I'll worry about whatever I want. And uh, they, they, they take off. They're going to go and talk to someone. And he's like, you can't tell me you've never wondered. And she's like, dude, I was boring before. How do you know that? Because I was ord- an ordinary person. I would have been, well, have you seen regular women? Ouch. That's, uh, but, um, and I like, she's like, why do you want to know about your normal life? What if you were like a murderer or a rapist or, or worse, had bad fashion sense? And, uh, let's see. She, th- there's the one moment where she says, she says, I think you overestimate me. And he goes, that's impossible. And then she like, Flushes a little bit, and he's like, oh, I did that. And she says, oh, bother. Now you spoiled the moment. And I was about to say something very clever. I just know it. So there was, like, one weird kind of legitimate moment between them before they slip back into the whole banter thing. Uh, and there is an annotation where uh, Brandon says that Light Song is not the first, of course, to wonder about his old life and realize that some of his skills and abilities came with him to the new life. But he's the first of this generation of gods who's taken any interest in it. If you're interested in knowing, his father was actually a potter. As for why he knows the other stuff, some of it comes up eventually. Some of it will remain a mystery. Uh, well, if his father was a potter, why is he so bad at it? I guess he didn't take after his dad. Also, he didn't want to take out family business. That's so. That's so <laughs> yeah. random. Like, like, why would he think to try that just because of like some kind of weird thing in the back of his head that his dad did that? Like. I don't know. Such a strange thing. Or maybe like Larimar knew him before maybe Larimar suggested it. I don't know. 
Oh, Street could have. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, so he's obviously got some kind of core memory of it somewhere for it to come up because it is fairly, fairly niche. Maybe his dad made him like try it a bunch when he was a kid and he never got good at it. And so there's like that, the, the that thing still in the back of his head about it. It's like, why do I know how? Or it's like, how do I know how to do this? Master, they erased it from the memory. When, when, the, when the returned wake up, they all just like the men in black are just waiting there with the neuralizer. It's like, all right, cool, go. <laughs> all right, you're good. And then uh, I, I like her conclusion. When all fails, when all else fails, use sexual innuendo. It always brings the focus back to where it belongs. On me. And they arrive at Hope Finder's Palace, whose colors are lavender and silver. I just, I don't like that they had like a little moment where they were genuine with one another because I don't like her. <laughs> no, she's, she's ridiculous. Yes. That's fair. You're like, I don't want this to become a thing between them because I don't Yeah. Think, yeah. Okay. Also, I mean... I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Light Song, though, right? It's like he, a lot of times he's not likable either because he puts on this stupid, like, witty banter, sarcastic, jokey bullshit. And you're just like, dude, you're not funny. Just stop. <laughs> but I guess we're inside his head. So, like, we can see that that's like a facade he puts on. It's not real. Yeah. And At so maybe maybe the Blush Weaver thing is a facade, but it's real hard to tell. So they've gone to visit Hope Finder the Just, god of innocence and beauty, who looks about 13. When in point of fact, he's one of the oldest returned in like how long it's been since they returned. He returned when he had been two, which makes him Light Song Senior by six years, which means he's been here like 11 years, which comes up later. Mm. And so we find out here in a bit that... Uh, when you return and you're young, your body grows to like maturity more or less and then stops ish. Although there's some returned to look older, some that look younger. But I wonder you if it's like what in your head is the perfect age, maybe. Hmm. Or a perception of you as the perfect age. Yeah, it might be. And there's there's a, an annotation I was going to touch on here where Brandon says, I wanted to show some return of different ages. I think it's important for people to realize you can return at any age. There's children, babies, grandmothers, all and, and anybody could return at any age. Uh, Hope Finder is the youngest person currently at court, though there are a couple of gods who are in their teens when they returned. Often when a god returns in their middle years, their body transforms to be more youthful, but not always. It depends on the god. So, yeah, just uh, there's, there's lots of different levels or, or ages, basically, you might see a god at. I guess, too, like Lysol was talking about how you know, he came back and he's got this this muscular body that he doesn't work for and it sort of seems unfair that he's blessed with this, but other people come back and they're still old or they're still larger or anything like that. Maybe it's the way you died. It's kind of a, I don't know, if you, you've died in a brave way, then you deserve to have the physique of a, a bold, uh, brave person. I don't know. Maybe. So this guy is God of, what was it, innocence and beauty. Which makes he died at two years old. So what did he? How did he die that exemplified innocence and beauty? Maybe because he was so young as a child. Yeah, if you're a two year old, then I guess you would be innocent and uh, you could be a very good looking two year old. So maybe it's not hard to exemplify those. <laughs> and Hope Finder, he's uh, getting a little weary of this god life. It seems like, and he started. He's talking about there was a case during petitions that was really tough. A woman whose child was dying of the fever. She'd already lost her other three as well as her husband all in a year. 
And Blush Weaver's like, you're not actually considering, like, passing on your breath. It's like, I don't know. I'm old. I feel old. Maybe it's my time. I'm the fifth most aged, you know. And Blush Weaver's like, but the times are getting so exciting. And he's like, exciting? No, they're calming down. We've got a new queen. My sources in the palace say that she's pursuing her duties to produce an heir with great vigor. Stability will soon <laughs> arrive. It's good to know uh, that the rumors are getting around about <laughs> what's going on in the bedroom. Sure. Vigor. Vigorous lovemaking. And so, and he's heard about what what Blushweaver's been up to. She thinks the Idrians are going to try to use the queen to take the throne. He's like, I don't agree. And she says there's rumors in the city of Idrian agents causing a ruckus and a so-called second princess somewhere in the city. So they're hearing about Vivenna in the Court of the Gods. Not Light Song, though. He has no idea what's going on. And Hope Finder, he doesn't believe any of this. He's like, there's not going to be a war. And really, he's he's bored of the god life, but also because every god apparently gets a thing. They get lifeless commands for four of them. They get votes on certain issues for some of them. And so he's been here for 11 years and never once needed to use the thing that they gave him, the lifeless commands. So he's like, it's boring. I don't get like a say in anything that matters. Yeah, he seems like one of the few lifeless, who, uh, not lifeless, returned, who actually wants to do something good for people. And he yes. doesn't have the ability to do that, which is like, oh, man, that's off. Yep. And uh, Blushweaver is, I feel like Lightsong's not entirely sure if she's intentionally trying to flirt with him. Or if that's just her being Blushweaver. And we do get, like, his internal monologue, kind of, that Joe's talking about, about, like, how gods work and, you know, how they age and all that other stuff. Like, it, it says that Blushweaver lasciviously sucked on a pieces of pineapple. And eventually he's just like, okay, look, can you can you just stop? It's not, it's not working. <laughs> it's not, uh, you know what, it's not cute. You should just, you should probably just stop that. Also, like, how do you, why would you suck on a pineapple piece? It's all pulp. Just eat it. There's a lot of juice running down your chin right now, and I just, I just want to wipe it with a napkin. Yeah, like, honestly, (laughs) that's not sexy. You look like a sticky child. Like, you got sticky juice all over your mouth. It's gross. He's a child. Blushweaver, stop. Stop. Yeah, ew. Gross, right? Yeah, I guess in Blushweaver's head. Although, she may not have been flirting with, but in her head, it's like, was that really a child? I mean, he's apparently one of the oldest of the returns, so. Yeah. In length of time since return. <laughs> I was like to note that some of the gods, like, th- there's images of fat gods from the, from previous times. But in our culture's history, being fat was seen as, like, more ideal at that time. So do the return, like, look the way society sees them? Yeah, and that's what I thought maybe about the aging process, too. It's like they look the way people expect them to look. Could be. Which is a whole weird thing about the dude bro gods, because it's like, right? <laughs> they're like, so people like these dude bros, huh? And so he's he's just like, before we go any further, I must point out that your obvious attempts to seduce me will gain you nothing. And she's embarrassed, and Light Song jumps in, it's like, she's not trying to seduce you. You just you have to understand that's just it's like her being her. And he's like, hey, whatever, I'm not going to be swayed by that or by her paranoid arguments and fears. And she says her contacts don't think that this is paranoia. And he's like, well, who are your contacts? People in the God King's palace. He's like, yeah, we all have people in the God King's palace. And I, Light Song jumps in. I don't. Can I have one of yours? My contact is quite important, Blushweaver says. He hears things, knows things. War is coming. And I like, Hope Finder's like, okay, whatever. I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe you, but that's not actually important. 
you don't need me to believe you. You just want my army, right? And Blow Sweeper's like, yeah, pretty much. What is it going to cost us? And this is where he says that he spent 11 years where just deciding to like learning to loathe this system of government because it's left him with nothing to do. Only the people who holds hold the votes in certain fields ever get a say over what happens. So he has these lifeless commands. Blush Weaver has a vote on the council of social ills. She has an important vote on practically every week. So I'll give you my security phrases. All you have to do is vote. However, I tell you to until one of us dies. And he kind of immediately jumps into, ah, you see, you're not so eager to like lose your vote, uh, like on important stuff just for this sort of thing. And she's like, nope, done. My vote's yours. I accept these terms. And everyone is kind of surprised by this. Like, whoa, she's she's not messing around. Okay. And like Light Song, he he's kind of low key offended that they're just gonna trade their votes, like the the get around how the government's supposed to work so easily, handing over what's supposed to be your sacred obligation just because you're bored. But then he's like, Yeah, I, I don't really have any room to chastise another's lack of piety. I don't even believe that we're gods. So and so he gives Hope Finder gives Blushweaver his security phrase, a candle by which to see. And then very dramatically, he's like, and now I withdraw. There is a vote this evening at the court. You you will attend and cast your vote the way I say. Should um I should use that line more often, like when I'm trying to leave something. And it's like, and now I withdraw. Yeah, how are they going to argue with that? <laughs> it's very, I don't know, it seems like very Phantom of the Opera-esque. <laughs> yeah, I'm just picturing you just sweep, like, sweep the cape in front of yeah, your face. And just... Exactly. <laughs> And then the organ comes in. It's like, (laughs) just throw a smart bomb and just like run away. (laughs) Smoke screen. Batman. Yeah. And I like afterwards, light sounds like, why do I feel like we just got manipulated? And she says, we only got manipulated if there isn't a war. If there is, then we just set ourselves up to save the whole court. Maybe the kingdom itself. Or start Uh, a war. Right. Uh, how very altruistic of us. We're like that, Blush Weaver said. So selfless at times, it's painful. But, but now we have two gods worth of lifeless. He's like, oh, mine and Hope Finders? No, I was actually talking about Hope Finders and Mercy Stars. Like, she does not count Light Song as being on board quite yet. But Mercy Star confided her commands to Hope we- uh, to Blush Weaver yesterday. All the while talking about how comforted she was by the fact that you took a personal interest in the incident in her palace. That was very well done, by the way. Like, <laughs> he's he's like, that was a complete accident. I was just wanting to l- learn about the palace for my own reasons. She was so comforted by Light Song's taking an interest, but didn't give her commands to Light Song. Gave them to, Hope, uh, to Blush Weaver instead. Whatever. Eh, you know, they did come together. He didn't ask for them. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Blush Weaver was over there, like, needling her and, like, encouraging her towards this, so. And like Light Song tries to t- explain, like, I'm just curious. Like, I want to know about the, the death of this servant. And Blushweaver's like, yeah, I don't I don't believe that. <laughs> Would I lie to you? Only every time you claim you don't want to sleep with me. Lies, brazen lies. And so he has to say, like, I think that in my previous life, I was like a cop or something. I'm re- I was really good at interrogating those service uh, servants. At least that's my own humble opinion, <laughs> which we've established is quite altruistic. And he's like, oh, I mean, if I was like a cop, then maybe that explains how I died in a bold way. And like, she's like, I just assumed that you were found in bed with a much younger woman and her father killed you. Seems far more bold than dying from stab wounds while trying to catch some petty thief. Come on, lady, stop making sex your entire personality. Yeah, it's really getting old. One trick pony, am I right? <laughs> yeah. 
these these zingers are not very good either. It's like I was it's, like yawning at this point. I'm just like, she, okay, come on. She makes me think it's like it's like the guys in all the high school in all the college movies who just won't shut up about how great they are at sex and they turn out to be terrible at it. So I'm just imagining like she won't shut up about it. She's actually just uh yeah. She's just really bad at it. Yeah, she just lies there and she's like, what's going on? <laughs> yep. She's probably worse at it than the God King. It didn't even he doesn't even know what sex is. Yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> she's like, you're serious? And he goes, dead serious. Dead as a squirrel serious. <laughs> she's weird. so confused. And he's like, it's it's a it's a personal joke, whatever. Yeah, it's, one... a, Sorry. it's a thing. I have this squirrel. It's dead. Whatever. Just move on. There's just one thing I can't figure out. And that is how juggling lemons fits into it all. That really is the question, right? Where does that come in? <laughs> Where does that come in? He was a juggling police officer. Solved yeah. all his cases through juggling. <laughs> it's like, uh, and then I found this. And he starts juggling like a murder <laughs> weapon. It's like, and I know that this murder weapon belongs to you. And he starts juggling the guy he's talking about. One of these chainsaws I'm juggling was the murder weapon. My, my fingerprints are now on all of them, though. So chapter thirty one, we go to Vivenna and and Co. All the all of them are heading to this big meeting. Denth still not a big fan of this meeting. They're my people, Denth. He's like, so mercenaries are my people, and you don't me see me spending much time with them. They're a smelly, annoying lot. So they're gonna go into the slums to meet up with these leaders among the Idrian populace. And I like that. Vivenna's like, the difference between Halandrans and Idrians is we pay attention to our people. Which Jules, being Halandran, is like, whatever. And Dent's just like, well, I'm not Halandran, so I don't give a shit. But Vivenna instantly feels like this place feels darker than like the other seedy parts of town she's been to. Rundown shops, unrepaired streets, everybody watching her suspiciously. And she's like, I'm worried about my people. This, this slum is so bad, and my people have to live surrounded by this. And Dent is like, what? It's like, yeah, living amongst these prostitutes and gangs, they have to walk past this stuff every day? And he laughs, and he's like, Princess, your people don't live among prostitutes and gangs. Your people are the prostitutes and gangs. This is the Idrian quarter of the city. The slums are called the Highlands, for color's sake. And this, this is just how it goes in cities all over the world. Immigrants gather together, they make their own little enclave within this larger, like, foreign culture, and the enclave gets conveniently ignored by the rest of the city. When roads are repaired, other places come first. When guards are sent to patrol, other places get patrolled instead. And so... the, the Yeah, you know, civilization. <laughs> and she can't believe it. No way that these are our people. And then she starts noticing the little details that, yeah, no, actually they are. I don't understand, Denth. We're a peaceful people, a people of mountain villages. We're open and friendly. He's like, no, that kind of person doesn't last long in the slum. They change or they get beaten down. And she's just like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Halandrin has made my people into this. This is worse than I thought. They've made thugs and thieves of caring shepherds, and they've turned our women into prostitutes and our children into urchins. It's all their fault. And this is when she has her moment where she's like, Halandrin ruined these people just as it ruined me by dominating my childhood, by forcing me to honor the obligation to be taken in the name of protecting my country. I hate this city. So that like she spent the whole book being like, I was supposed to do this thing and it was going to be, you know, my job or whatever. And here's where she, we find out what she really thinks about it is 
this is this this was horrible. It's it's dominated and ruined my entire life all because of this hateful people. And it's kind of just like a wow, you have a really tight grip, or you buried it deep to for us to not see this part behind the curtain until now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, it's like self-preservation on some level, because if you're going to be forced to do this, then thinking about it like that is not going to make it easy to do. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Like, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. But I'm just like, now that we've seen that little glimpse behind the curtain, it's like, I want to see more. Hmm. Right? Like, let's see the real Vivenna. Yeah. <laughs> and so Thane joins them, and here they talk to a bunch of the common people. She's like, I know that you have hard lives. The king does care for you. I want to find a way to bring you home. And they're like, wait, back to the islands? And then they just start leaving. Thames says, most of them just wanted confirmation that you are who you were supposedly. And she's like, no, people, your lives can get better. I can see that you're cared for. And one of the guys is like, our lives are better. I earned twice as much here as I did back in the highlands. And other people are all agreeing. And Thames says... These people are patriots. They cling to being Idrians, city Idrians. We stick together. They may seem indifferent, but they'll do anything to get back at the Holandrians. And she's like, these people aren't even Idrians anymore. Like, he calls them patriots, but it's just a group that's held together by how much they hate the city around them, how much they hate these other people. Which, little pot kettle action there, I feel like, on some level, after what we just saw of Vivenna, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, Vivenna, come on. Come on! And so they go to meet with three, I mean, basically like crime lords, Idrian crime lords. Yep. All of them, at least the first tightening. So they've bought at least 50 breaths. One of them, the third, which once again, I understand that Vivenna didn't want the breaths. But once again, you're just kind of like, are you really one to talk when you're at like the yeah third heightening or fifth? I forget where she is. Which Somewhere. if they're at the third heightening, then one of the guys knows that she has Right. breaths and they're like i would have straight up said that in the meeting it's like i can see you have breaths <laughs> so one of them uh paxson the gentleman idrian got his money from running brothels then there's ashu who runs illegal underground fighting leagues where idrians box each other into unconsciousness and then rira is the sloppy one in the middle and she's just like i, I don't know what to say to you guys i came here to find something that doesn't exist people that still cared about their heritage and like, we care. You're you're our princess, daughter of the king. We care about that. And what Paxton is like, I mean, kind of. And so uh, they disagree about whether war is coming or not. She's saying that yes, it definitely is. And I'm trying to make sure the war goes our way. And they're like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Like, you want to conquer Holandrin, put like a royal back on the throne? And she's like, no, I just want to make sure our people survive. And they're like, Ugh. wars are fought to be won. Not just to survive. You're going to lose thinking like that. If we help you overthrow the city, what do we get out of that? And then one of them's like, wait, do we really want to get involved in that kind of thing again? What about Var? We lost a lot of money on that guy. And Ashu's like, uh, Var was pan call. Not one of us. I'm willing to take the risk for real royals involved. And she's like, no, I, I came here to bring our people some hope. And Paxton's like, who cares about hope? I want commitments. Will we get titles? Who gets the trade contracts? The sloppy guy's like, you have a sister, a third unmarried one. Is her hand bargainable? I don't I don't know that yeah. monks are allowed to do that. No, they're definitely not. And he should know that. And she's like, this isn't about personal gains. It's about patriotism. Yeah, maybe not. I guess that's true. If he hasn't been home in for a long, forever, he may not know what, what she does. And Rira's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
even Patriots should get rewards, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Vivenna was extremely naive to come here and not think that they would expect something in return for their support. Like, really? Whatever. And she's just like, okay, I'm leaving. This is this is bullshit. And Dent's like, are, are you sure you want to do that? I mean, it took a lot of effort to set this up. <laughs> she's like, this is egregious. And she says she just can't do it. She can't work with these people knowing that they're her own people. It's too hard. And one of the guys is like, oh, look at you, all judgy judge. What about the the five visions? You sweep in here and judge us and then sweep away. That's not very Idrian. Damn, he's got her now. And their religion just sounds like no fun. <laughs> not allowed to judge people at all. Lame. Ugh, that religion's the worst. And the one guy is like, my father carried me down here from the Highlands, princess. He died working in the Edgeley Fields. I've pulled myself up by the pain of my scraped, bleeding hands. I worked very hard to make things better for your people. You buy breath and make prostitutes of housewives. And he goes, I live, and I make sure that everyone else has enough food. Will you do better for them? And before she can answer, which I don't know what she would have answered, people start screaming. And here come men in, with gray faces in purple and yellow uniforms, which that's just hideous. Like, jeez. The lifeless soldiers, the city watch. And Dent says, run. And they take off. And Tonkfoss, like, it's a raid. It shouldn't be too dangerous unless, and then they hear blades. And it's like, oh, crap. Some of them are fighting. The, the fools decided to resist. Now we're in trouble. And Dent says, maybe they're just after the slumlords. Keep moving. Or Tongfa. One of them says that doesn't matter. And then they run into some, yeah, it's just Tongfa and Vivenna running. And they run into some lifeless. And Tongfa's like, I can't take five of them on my own. We'll have to let them arrest us. And so they put up their hands, and he's like, uh, we surrender? And then the <laughs> creatures attack. It makes me think, um, what game is that? I think it's, it might be Jack and Dexter. It might be Jack 2, the sequel. But it's like, they say surrender and die. And he's like, wait, don't you mean surrender or die? <laughs> there's a there's a great pit in Emperor's New Groove uh, with that same sort of joke. Which is uh, not the best movie, but the the twins love it, and so I've had to hear it a lot. A lot. Uh, I mean, it's not a terrible movie. No, it's not terrible. But as far as Disney movies go, I feel like it's actually genuinely funny at times, at least. Yeah. It's like, open the door and we'll burn the house down. Don't you mean or you'll burn the house down? It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what we meant, but yeah, that's fine. The little girl's like, which one is it? Because that seems like a pretty important conjunction. <laughs> so Bavena runs trips over her own skirt which they, they were telling her get out of these long skirts get some pants yeah. get some short skirt whatever what can you do she's a modest gal and so she has to rip the skirt off to try to keep, get going again and then she sees at the other end of the alleyway another lifeless and she's like oh crap this is I'm, I'm done and she remembers Denth trying to tell her to use these breaths are powerful use them and she actually gives in. Earlier, we saw her tell herself, like, if she was ever tempted to awaken, then she would just give the breath away rather than that. But here she takes this rope and she tries to use it to save herself with awakening. She goes, come to life. And nothing happens. <laughs> please, please. Yeah, save like, uh, you need to know how it works, princess. Sorry. And maybe you should have practiced if you were going to use it. I'm just saying. It's true. And then the, the lifeless makes it to her and jumps over her. And that's when she realizes that it's Claude. 
and he pulls out his sword and takes the head off of one of the lifeless and he starts fighting them. It's pretty wild. I feel like this is one of those cinematic right? scenes that Brandon would write. Zombie sword fight, yeah. And Claude takes them all out, although he gets injured in the process. And the sword, uh, the sword after it has killed some of these, she says it drips a clear liquid. So they don't have blood, they have something else. And she's surprised by, like, she says the creatures move with proficiency and coordination just as a human might. Except there's no speaking. She always imagined lifeless as, like, decaying skeletons or corpses, but they're more real than she thought. And so Claude ends up winning the day, but with a, a weapon sticking out of his chest. And he kind of falls to one knee at the end. And then Tongfa and Denth find them. And Tongfa's like, oh, Jules is not going to be pleased. Come on, we got to get out of here. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, my boyfriend's got a rip in his stomach. Your dead boyfriend? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Obviously, which other one would I be talking about? And so that's the end of chapter 31. 32, we're cut, we cut back to Siri, who is sleeping till noon because... She and Susabron stay up late talking to each other. Let's be fair. She's sleeping till noon because she can. Because, you know. Right. Some might see that they were get, that she was getting up later and later each morning and think it was due to other activities. Sure. And she's thinking about him and, like, how endearing it is, the way that uh, they communicate and how he writes. If he, if he spoke, she suspected his voice would be kindly. And while she misses the Highlands and she doesn't like the fact that she can't leave the Court of the Gods... Things here are really, you know, kind of amazing. Brilliant colors, performers. The whole experience is overwhelming. But she, she's like, we got to figure out what we're going to do here. This is not a game. This is his life that we're talking about. Politics is about exchange. She's like, she's trying to remember anything she can from her lessons. Politics is about exchanges, giving what you had or what you implied that you had in order to gain something. Her problem is she doesn't have anything. So she has to kind of fake it. And she finds one of the brown-robed uh, women that uh, work here, and she tells her, like, she's like, I, I need to talk to Bluefingers. Bluefingers has knowledge. She says, I, I want you to give a message to Bluefingers. Tell him I have vital information he needs to know, and I want to trade. Tell him it could change his plans drastically. And the girl nods and takes off, and she's like, okay, now I just have to figure out what vital information I have and why Bluefingers should care. That, that, that's a bold move, Siri. See how it works out. But then she goes and uh, she's going to visit with Light Song. And they have, you know, some more of their little uh, back and forth. A very different kind of banter than what Light Song has with Blush Weaver. But uh, I do like he's like, you remind me of someone I was once very fond of. Who's that? I have no idea. I can barely remember. <laughs> uh, Blush Weaver. I mean, uh, not Blush Weaver. Light Song? Yeah, sure. That guy. And she asks why they call you Light Song the Bold. And he, of course, just bullshits some. It's like, oh, because I'm the only one bold enough to act like a complete idiot. And she's like, you don't talk to a lot of women, do you? <laughs> I, I do like this line. At nights, my fondest desire is to sit and compose interminably paraphrastic lectures on morality for my priests to read to my followers. Alas, I cannot. Paraphrastic is a good word. Sure. I had to look it up, but it's a fun word. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll admit that's a word I was not familiar with until now. Paraphrastic. Give yeah. us the definition, Data. Okay, so I don't say the wrong thing. I'll, I'll bring it up again. It is indirect and circumlocutory. Well, give me the circumlocutory de uh, definition. 
you know, if if, if <laughs> it's like beating around the bush or just like it, indirect is probably the best way to do it, it to the best definition. So you're saying a lot of things without actually saying what you're saying. Saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, no, seriously, where does the name come from? And he goes, it's a complete misnomer. Obviously, you're intelligent enough to see that. Our names and titles are assigned randomly by a small monkey who's been fed an exceedingly large amount of gin. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go with it. More more <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, him saying the word gin took me out of it. I'm like, this is an earth, bro. You guys don't have gin. Why can't they have gin? Because it's like a very specific type of drink. What's gin even made out of? Skagel had like whiskey and shit. I believe gin is made out of corn. It's juniper berries. Yeah, barley or other grain juniper Hmm. berries. Juniper berries. Is that why it's called gin with a J, but juniper spelled with a J? I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) But in Hebrew, Jehovah spelled with an I. J. Finally, when she's given up, he's like, he, he admits it has to do with death. The way that we die exemplifies a particular attribute or emotion. That's that is what is said to bring us back. She's like, oh, so you died showing great bravery? He's like, I guess. I don't really know. Something in my dream suggests I may have insulted a very large panther. That sounds rather brave, don't you think? And she goes, you don't know how you died. So apparently she hasn't been informed that they forget everything. So he has to explain that to her. And he has a surprise for her. We've invited a storyteller. This is Hoyd, master storyteller. I believe you have some questions. And so here's our, 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 our friend Hoyd here to tell us some stories in a very interesting way where he's got pockets full of shit that he sprinkles while he's telling the stories. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. Uh, I actually like, as I say, I actually liked that. I think I would have liked it less if we didn't know more about him. But the, the amount of stuff that we know about him, I don't know. It, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's like if we'd read this first, we'd just be like, what is up with this dude? Yeah, but, like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> but now it's just, just like a, it's a toy. I didn't catch that. What you I said? just want to know what else he's got in his pocket. Like, he's pulling right? out stacks of sand, and then he's got ash, and then he's got petals and grass. And like, <laughs> like every time I'm walking home, picking up everything they can find, and then telling a story about it later. Like, I love it. But also, what is he wearing? Like, just infinite pockets of stuff? Or <laughs> is there a method to it? I just, I was really curious as to how this worked. But I thought it was very effective. I, I kind of want to see this, like, on, like, somebody actually doing this, whether on screen or whatever. Because it sounds interesting. But I have trouble, like, picturing it just right. He's just pulling shit out of his pockets to sprinkle, and he drops a whole bunch of caviar. And they're just like, what does that symbolize? And he's gone, uh, that was my lunch. Fuck. <laughs> Whoops. What's she- uh what's Chris's world called again? Uh Taldane. White Taldane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was thinking when he pulls out the sand and then there's black sand and then it turns white, I'm like, wait, is that Taldane sand? Well it mentions ash. Did he pull that from the ash mounts in Skadriel? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Was each of these things from a different world? If so, that's a really co- extra cool part of this moment. But also then I was thinking the stuff that was described that we couldn't identify what worlds could those be from have are we going like mm-hmm. you know is one of is one of them um is one of them the uh world we're about to dive into after this book or is it stuff that yeah roshar or is it stuff that even um brandon hasn't written about yet or so i was just intrigued right so let's see he's uh 
He's he's got a big beard that she thinks might be fake. <laughs> he's moonlighting as Santa Claus. I I like that she's like she just chalks it up to well that might be like a thing of his trade they just like yeah. have these fake long beards to make them look more interesting. So let's see the first thing he pulls out is sand. So oh, she she tries to she doesn't want to jump straight to her real question so she tries to indirectly she's like tell me about the Halandrin history I want to know the origin of the God Kings. And so the first thing he pulls out is sand which he rubs between his fingers and lets drop in a stream towards the ground. And then in another hand, he brings up powdery black sand, mixing it with the sand that's falling from his first hand. She watched the black sand turned white. So my thought there was like it wasn't like maybe this first sand he laid down had plenty of those like nutrient animals in them. Mm. Or however that works. I forget exactly the mechanics, but like, you know, the the nutrient Um, rich. Yeah, I I know. guys. there, there's a lichen that grows on the sand, and yeah, when, lichen. when you get it wet or when you use the energy in there, it turns black, and then the sun recharges it with energy to make it white again. Yeah. So yes, he's, he's, he starts telling the story of ancient times when this valley was first discovered where panthers and flowers both make their home. So apparently, yeah, panthers do just hang around around here. And so these people sailed the inner sea and discovered this place. That was so strange because the beaches have this fine, soft sand. The fruits grow plentifully. The, and Siri, in listening to him, realizes, like, oh, yeah, the, there aren't really jungles other places. This is, like, unique. And the next thing he pulls out is small green leaves from the fronds of a fern, she says, that he starts dropping after that. And they throw some leaves in the air. In the center of them puffed a burst of colorful dust, like a tiny flameless firework, reds and blues mixing in the air, blowing around him. So some red and blue stuff. And so this is a land of color because of the tears of Edgley that make such amazing dyes. They can't grow anywhere else. The first returned was born during this time. So Vo was born in the waters of this very bay. He declared the five visions and died a week later. And the men founded a kingdom, which apparently there was no one here, but like, the Pan Call, who were like just fishing villages, not like a actual United Kingdom before this Hanald kingdom started. Then he starts dropping a powdery brown dirt from one of his hands as he reached into a different pocket. And he says, uh, should I not speak? Why am I going back this far? Should I not speak of the many war of the shattering of kingdoms of the five scholars of Khaled, the usurper and his phantom army? But no, you have to go all the way back. It was a return like the many war wouldn't have started without knowledge of the returned. It was a returned after all who predicated the war or predict, I'm sorry, predicted the war and prompted strife lover to attack the kingdoms across the mountains. So Khaled, the usurper was also called strife lover and he was a returned as was peace giver also a returned. So the returned to do a lot of shit in this kingdom. And so these men who started a kingdom after the first returned chose that man's wife to be their queen and they soon got very wealthy off of these flowers that make such a great dye. Some scholars say the many war was fought over these flower petals, that the kingdoms of Kuth and Huth were destroyed by little drips of color. And so he starts dropping flower petals from his pocket. And then some more dust of various different colors. And the other stories are that, yeah, Light Song asks, like, oh, if that's just what some people say, what do the other people say about why the war started? The royal family was growing increasingly interested in the process by which breath could be used to bring objects to life. It was a fresh and poorly understood art then. It still is in many ways. 
Yeah, so this framework that he sets up, he's basically telling the histories. Is, I, I was getting confused. The entire world's not 700 years old. That's just like 700 years ago is when like they settled this area. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that's when this area was founded, basically. He said that another people kind of were the leaders or the, the most powerful before then. But he does say that this awakening thing is a relatively recent discovery, barely 400 years ago. So this, the kingdom of Halandrin, ruled by the god kings, has only been for like 300 years. So it was only 100 years before that that awakening was even discovered. So he says, the years leading up to the many war, those were the days of the five scholars and the discovery of new capital C commands. To some, it was a time of great enlightenment and learning. Others called them the darkest days of men. One of the scholars made a discovery the method by which a lifeless could be created from a single breath. And now he's dropping like scraps of torn paper with writing on them. And he's like, this might seem like a small thing, but you have to understand. And he explains here in a minute that it used to take 50 breaths to create a lifeless. And while lifeless are cool and all like 50 is expensive. Like if you need 50 people to donate their breath to create one, then it's not all that useful. But if you can create them with one breath, that means you can effectively double the size of your army if you get all of them to uh, donate their breath. And half of those, that new army, won't need to eat. That certainly does make things easier. The war came and the five scholars split, joining different sides. Some kingdoms gained the use of lifeless. Some had weapons others could only envy. And he's dropping metal at some point. I don't even, I think I missed that. But yeah, his second hand came up drawing, dropping little bits of metal, which fell to the stonework with a sound not like falling rain. It's going to make your hands bleed. Your skin must be like leather. Oh, it doesn't say they're like pointy pieces. They could be like coins. Uh, okay. I just pictured like metal shavings. I'm just like, ah, oh, reaching into a pocket full of that. It's like, ugh. <laughs> it's true. It's on your fingernails and just, ah. Uh. I feel like if they were, if they were, you know, little spheres or something like a ball bearing, she would say little spheres, not little Probably. bits of metal. Yeah. Good point. Were those each bits of metal that you could have eaten and like used for <laughs> burning? And so he's, these new lifeless that you can create from one breath, they're in a huge advantage to the kingdoms that had them. But then Kalad, the usurper, took it even a step further by creating a new and more powerful kind of lifeless. The uh, What we've heard of repeatedly referred to as Kalad's phantoms. This army that may still secretly be out there in the jungle somewhere, just waiting. But nobody remembers yeah. what they were exactly. Does Danny Phantom have to go after him and, like, <laughs> send him back to the whence they came or whatever? The records of that time have been, have been lost. Some say they were burned intentionally. And so she says, but we know that the royal family broke away because they had, like, moral problems with using lifeless, right? And he's like, um, yeah, just, that's totally what happened. And then, I like, Light Song's like, psst, he's lying to you. <laughs> and... Hoy's like, I mean, come on, no, there's there's different explanations. Different people say different stuff, so why shouldn't she, you know, believe her version? So the the Idrian speak of religious indignation and of the treachery of Khaled the Usurper as the reason that the royal family split off. The Pancall people say the royal family was working hard to gain powerful lifeless and awakeners, and then were surprised when their tools turned against them. In Halandrin, they say that the royal family aligned themselves with Khaled making him their general and ignoring the will of the people by seeking war with bloodlust. So some different versions of what happened. 
it, probably not surprising that the royal family left and started Idris, and their version makes them the morally upright good guys. Sure. And I like what it's like. I mean, you know, it's all just stories at this point. You you believe what you like about uh, whether your family was seeking to create lifeless or not. And then he's like, yes. Yeah, so the the return took control of Halandrin, named it a variation of the old name. But some still speak regretfully of the royals who left, bearing the blood of the first return to their highlands. And so he's like, wait, what? Blood of the who now? And Hoyt's like, I mean, yeah, it was his wife pregnant with his child who became the first queen of this land. You are his descendant. And Lightstone's like, wait, you didn't know that? And she's just like, if my people know about this, we don't talk about it. Which maybe she just wasn't paying attention in her lessons again. I don't know. But I like that this is just a thing that people know. Like, oh, yeah, you're descended from the, the return. Didn't you know this? And now we're directing questioning towards what she's really kind of interested in. How many god kings have there been? Five. Including the current Lord Sussebron, but not including Peacegiver. The first god king got his life and his breath from Peacegiver himself, who was revered for dispelling Khaled's phantoms and bringing a peaceful end to the many war. And so he's like, well, wait, how did, how did he do that? How did he create a god king? And he's like, yeah, I mean, nobody really knows. Legends say he <laughs> died by granting his breath to his successor. And Lysel's like, wait, that doesn't make sense. You can't make someone else divine by giving them your breath. And he's like, dude, I just just tell the stories. I don't know. And uh, he goes into yet another pocket and pulls free a handful of small bits of grass and earth to let drop with as much flair as possible. (laughs) So apparently these uh, like it says that Peacegiver stopped the war and stuff, but it was too late for the kingdoms of Huth and Kuth. But the other kingdoms, Pancall, Tedradel, Gis and Halandrin, they all came out of it okay. And so she realizes it's like, this is why my family is the only threat to like the legitimacy of this throne, because they have, you know, their divine God King to look up to or, or to respect as having a right to rule. But we have the blood of the first returned in our family. And that's why that's an even potentially more divine heritage. And then we get into the, the actual thing where she's like, why have there just been five god kings? Why did the first one die? And Hoyt's like, oh, yeah, the god kings all die, like, not long after they produce an heir. They tire. The gods come back for us, not for themselves. And when they can no longer endure life, they pass on. And so once the god king has made sure that he's, he has a successor, he tires of life and looks for a reason to give up his breath. And Siri's so like, wait, everyone knows that the god kings die after they have their kids? And he's like, I mean, yeah, at least the storytellers and the scholars all know it. And I like light songs like, I mean, maybe that's not the best thing to tell a newlywed wife that as soon as she bears her husband a son, he's going to get bored and die. <laughs> it's like, OK, I've got an ear. Bye. <laughs> See ya. I ain't going to be no daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it really is. I'm not changing any diapers. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to go for a pack of cigarettes. And guess what? I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I found a, a village that was that all had diarrhea and so I, I died to help them yeah can you imagine that like puts a whole new spin on that he's like yeah they had diarrhea and it was so bad i wanted to help them <laughs> real real bad no you don't understand the diarrhea was real bad <laughs> and siri's like you know what? thanks where did you learn that crazy storytelling method and he says i learned it many many years ago from a man who did not who didn't know who he was in a Distant place where two lands meet and gods have died. But that's not important. Yeah, it sounds pretty important there, Hoyt. (laughs) You know, you're just kind of glossing over the most interesting part there. 
a man who didn't know who he was, where two lands meet and gods have died. There's all sorts of... What, what could this be? I don't know. I thought it was Cell for a second, but the man didn't know who he was didn't seem to fit that. And I like series like, oh, he's just like coming up with a mysterious past to make him look like a cooler storyteller. I get it. When we know Hoyt and there's definitely something to it, for sure. Right. And so she she thinks, OK, so there's an official story. And I, I, honestly, it's it makes sense within this religion, like the story that they're telling. I get why people would believe this. And then Light Song's like, I mean, maybe it's a good thing if he dies. Like you have you have a kid. He dies. You get out of this. Like uh, you don't have to spend the rest of your life here. Maybe you might even get to go home. But uh, Light Song doesn't know how she's starting to feel about Sosabron. So she's just like, OK, I, I need to go. I need to think for a while. And that's the end of our chapters. So, yeah, some a uh, lot of lot of Hoyt knowledge drops here about the, the history of this planet, which is one of the things that I tend to find most interesting. So I love this section of the book, but, uh, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone. So let's uh, let's predicaments. What do you guys think? Where are we going from here? Where do I think we're going? So I think like we talked about earlier with Vivenna. And sort of the the moments that she had in her story, I really hope we're going to see a bit of a turn there. I'm hoping this means that she's a little bit more of a, I guess, taking a bit more of an active role in which direction that they're that they're going. Given that she, well, we know that Vasha's kind of got eyes on her. Maybe she will explore that a little bit more. And I'm hoping that they actually come together fairly soon. It's not going to be great. I don't think between like yeah obviously there's history there for our other characters you know maybe that will bring some more revelations about Dents and who he is through that way. Siri, I think that she's gonna probably buckle down and and actually learn a bit more. I don't know whether it, she's gonna have this encounter with uh, Blue Fingers at some point, and I don't know whether that's gonna be maybe she's gonna play up that I need to learn a bit more. Like you all know that you know, I'm not the princess that you were expecting. So uh, I didn't really pay attention because I was never expecting to come here either. Maybe you should teach me a little bit more and maybe kind of, I don't know, sort of befriend them in that way. Maybe she'll learn a little bit more from them um, that she can plug into what she's learned from Hoyd. She, she's falling for Susabron too. So I think she's going to try really hard to figure out a way out of this where he doesn't have to die. But and I feel like at this point in every book, I'm always like, nah, he's going to die. It's not going to work out. The main character is going to die. Something's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not sure that, you know, he will necessarily want to to keep going, but he does really like her. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for them at the moment. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Light Song and Blush Weaver. Blush Weaver's, I mean, I don't like her, but she's scaring me with how much she can align. And I feel like we're at this point in the book that it was like, who the hell's the bad guy? We don't actually know who's going to make the the first move in making it all kind of fall apart. Yeah, I'm feeling a little lost there at the moment. Mm. But I think Blushweaver is really dangerous, and I think that could be really interesting between her and, and Light Song if she is sort of the catalyst to to make all of this, this go. Yeah, so I feel like I'm really predicting a whole bunch of nothing, really. It's more just <laughs> thoughts about what's coming up. I do think that we've we've been kind of speculating a bit about Nightblood, and I think given the story that Hoyd was telling, and you know that there's sort of a different kind of 
like, you know, how did they manage to make another king, a god king, really? There's some power that we haven't explored. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I'm not sure whether Nightblood was awakened or is somehow perhaps linked to that kind of magic, uh, like like the soul of a person, perhaps. Although it does sound like he was made based on what he was saying last time. I don't know. There's something about Nightblood. I can't put my finger on it yet, but there's definitely, he's not simply an awakened object there and maybe their history. And, if, if you know, Vash has been around for a while. We really could be only going back 300 years to, you know, be alive. Uh, for, for him, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Sorry, I'm kind of speaking as I think it and I realise it comes out <laughs> a little less coherent that way. <laughs> if he has been around for a couple of hundred years, then the creation of Nightblood could very much relate to the creation of another god king. They, they could be tied together. So I'd be very interested to learn more about that. But, yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got on, on this week's segment of what's happening in Jamie's head right now that doesn't actually <laughs> predict anything. Okay. I, I want to dig into one of your thoughts a little more because I think you brought up a really good point with who is the bad guy at this point? Who is – is there a bad guy? Who's going to set something off? And so I, w- I want to look at our possibilities. Mm-hmm. We've got I, – I I think the guy that we – that probably everybody hates the most right now uh, is Trelides. So maybe he's mm. – maybe, maybe he he's probably – in prime bad guy position and related to that potentially we discussed last time vera Trelides. so we've got denth and his crew and if they've been deceiving vivenna the whole time which i think some theory has gone around then they might be in a position to kick some stuff off we still don't know what vasher is actually trying to accomplish here so that he and Nightblood could be in prime position to really start something, depending on what his goal is. And then, as you mentioned, we have Blushweaver, who is getting a whole bunch of power together in control of armies. Has she been telling us the truth? Has she been telling Lightsong the truth this whole time? Or does she have an ulterior motive? So I feel like there, there's some possibilities. What do you think? Like, what Am I missing anybody that you could think of? And do you think that there's some that are more likely than others from this list? I think pretty much covers where my thoughts were going. I guess uh, we haven't really given much consideration to the Idris royal family as well. Mm. Um, you know, we definitely had some unknowns kind of thrown at us this week. I can't really think of anyone else at this stage. Yeah, who who's lying, who's, who's misguided good intentions, I don't really know. You know, Trelides, we've you've only met once, um, briefly. Is that? I, I no, think like three or four separate times. times. But yeah, just very briefly okay. each time. Very briefly, yeah. So we don't really know what's going on there, but in terms of position of power, that's a very obvious one. You know, mm. um, and and perhaps too obvious. I'm just I'm not liking where blush. They're all talking about war, without talking about war. It's it's coming. It's not coming. They've all got very different opinions um, in the in the court of the gods and what might save them and what might not save them. You know, if we were if we were making say a like secret bad guy prediction, I think that 
I think that Dent would still be the one that we don't really know enough about yet. I think Blushweaver's almost a little too obvious. Like, I don't trust her, but I don't know that she's the big bad. You know, could surprise us. Maybe Susabron is the big bad. You know, maybe he's like, let's really mess with everyone. I don't know. Sure, he doesn't have a tongue, but he can still communicate. And maybe he really is communicating. <laughs> yeah, don't really know. But I think, yeah, Dent still is too much of a mystery to feel comfortable with at this point. Yeah. And then there's the name Trelides and Virotrelides. I don't know. I feel like Vasha is he's definitely not a great character, but he's not out just to kill everybody. So while seeming as the initial bad, and still probably not a good, but probably not the overall bad. Okay. I, I like your idea about Susabron. It's like, could the guy <laughs> who can't talk have been misleading us this whole time? That would be unexpected. Yeah. yeah. Secret bad guy to the max there. Well, and it would be really weird if he was, if he did turn out to be the big bad guy, given that at the beginning of the story, everyone in from Idris is absolutely convinced that the God King is this big, evil, bad guy. And then we start to, through Siri, be like, oh, he's not so bad after all. He's actually kind of nice. If it turned out that he yeah. was super bad after, after all, that would be like a double reverse. I, that, I would not see that coming. Yeah, because no. did that once. Really? Okay. So some people so. see it coming. I get it. I think I think that was no, that was like a, one of the one of the Poirot mysteries. I think it was like a um the character like the characters who were very obviously the murderer. Like the narrative is just like, well, they're too obvious. It can't possibly be them because yep. it's too obvious. And then the twist at the mm-hmm. end turned out it actually really was them. Yeah, and actually, yeah. That, when I first started reading Agatha Christie, I noticed that in a couple of her early books, she had that same technique where it was like, here's the really obvious one that you assume is the red herring. And then it gets proved by whoever's investigating some Mrs. Marple or Poro, whoever it is. It's like, Oh, here's evidence that shows that they couldn't have done it. And then at the end, it turns out that they did do it after all. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, I had the same, uh, I feel like, uh, and some people don't agree with me, but I feel like, uh, uh what is that movie called? The Ryan Johnson mystery with, uh, knives out. Knives out. Yeah. The first knives out movie. I was like, Oh, the most obvious person is Ransom, and then it's like the most oh, famous guy in the room. He he really did do it. Although I guess maybe he he was big at the moment because of Marvel movies, but uh, maybe he wasn't the most famous guy in the room. You have like Jamie Lee Curtis there. Yeah, I was gonna say Jamie Lee Curtis is in that. I was gonna and, say uh, that's a massive cast. <laughs> it yeah. really it's it's such an amazing cast. Quite honestly, I, yeah. And uh, what's his name? Michael Shannon is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yes, Michael Shannon. He's there. I don't know that he he was like that big, but he's come on Neil before Zod. Come on. Okay, yes, he's Zod. Honestly, I always remember him because he played a a a guy in um, Boardwalk Empire. uh, Boardwalk Empire, yeah. I feel like the plotline for his character in that show got really weird and confusing. It was always really weird, but yes, it does get confusing. I agree. Sorry, Jack. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it was like just a case of like the thing is Chris Evans doesn't really show up in Knives Out until after we think oh we actually know that it was a suicide and then mm. they pull a few reversals around on that so it's like by the, by, the, by the time he shows up you think well there is no murderer it's actually not quite what we were expecting yeah so might want to put a spoilers for knives out tag on that <laughs> spoilers for knives out yep retroactively oh and i forgot frank oz is in that movie Ricky Yoga in there yeah okay i forgot where we were before that we were talking about um, secret bad guys, and I oh, do want yeah. to in- interject a few episodes ago. I called out. I still think it could be like Bluefingers is an option. 
Oh yeah, totally forgot and left him out. I and I think I uh, meant to have him on yeah, the list, and I, it kind of slipped my mind as I was going through it. But yes, blue fingers, because you totally did call that out as a possibility. Yep, yep. Don't care if it's wrong. It's like you know, swing for the fences, because half the time when you swing for the fences on this show, it it pans out in some way. It's true. Those those are the best ones where you you take the big swing and then it turns out you hit it. Yep, yep. There's definitely been people as the sh- all the way from I think uh, the second episode of this book in the Discord who were like, "Oh my God, how did they get so like exactly on on that?" Or you know, some early episodes, uh, somebody oh, at least was getting some good uh, predictions. Cool. Who who could it be? Remember back in the day when we said we should take like like a, a list or a spreadsheet of all the predictions we've made so we can keep track of them. Like, man, that would take a fucking forever now that we're yeah. Like, how many episodes deep are we? 150. Yeah, somebody somebody just asked in the Discord the other day, like, hey, is there like a list of the predictions and stuff? And I was like, you know, there was discussion about it once upon a time, <laughs> but I just I was not doing it. I'm not going to take. Well, and how many times we've uh, how many times we've contradicted ourselves and like weave different patterns yeah, out right. from these different things that we've said. Well, maybe it's not this. Maybe it's this. Like that'd be so much. Yep. Just like whatever we happen to remember, we we can call out as uh, oh man, good prediction or 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 not. But uh, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, formalizing it more than that and recording all these things, especially predictions can be very nebulous. Like you could say two whole paragraphs to kind of vaguely predict something. And how would you write that down in a spreadsheet? So no, I'm not, I I just never, (laughs) never started. Mm -hmm. That may know. Yeah. You you done Jamie? Yes. So I have one prediction today and it's only tangentially related to what we've actually read. I think I've done that a few times this book. I'm just like, yeah, what we read is great and all. Here's this other thing which I've just come up with. Yeah. But there was it, it did come up briefly. So something that's been bugging me all book is what the hell does that title mean? What does Warbreaker itself mean? Mm. Uh, and it wasn't until this week and in hindsight it seems blindingly obvious, but I think but I, th- I think I've cracked it. So I probably should have cracked this earlier, but it wasn't until Siri and Lightsong were talking about, well, Lightsong, how do you get the name Lightsong the Bold? And he's like, no, it's something to do with how we die, I think. I'm like, mm. oh, Warbreaker is the name of a returned. Oh. It sounds just like, you know, Hopebringer or Blushweaver. Or, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, sounds does, exactly, yeah. it sounds exactly like those. And obviously... Runs uh, with well, water. <laughs> yeah. And... I, like uh, to, to our knowledge, there's no uh, returned named Warbreaker at this point. We don't exactly have a cast list of all the ones there, but you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna make an assumption that there currently is no returned called Warbreaker. I think, but I okay. think by the end of the book there will be one. Let's say, because oh. um, it's all about we're building up to this war between Idris and Hel- and Helendron. I think at some point. We will see the birth of a new returned. We'll see exactly how it happens, and then that per- and that person's death will in some way stop the war or something. So let's go, ah, oh, Warbreaker, great name, and yeah, and so then that person that person will be like a new returned in the court, or if the court still exists, or wh- whatever the whatever hell Helandrin looks like at that point for candidates for this new returned. I think it might actually be Vivenna. Mm. Um, I think that would be particularly tragic because, you know, we were talking this week about how her autonomy has just been taken away from her all her life, but it just seems to fit that theme. It fits the theme of, like, the most powerful person in the room becoming someone that everyone else thought was actually powerless. And 
I have no evidence to base this on, but I think the people who become returned has so- it's got to have something to do with how much breath they have, and Vivenna has got quite a lot of it now. So true, it, she does. There's that, and yeah, if she if she somehow used the breath and died and prevented the war, that just seems like the logical outcome of her attempts to ensure there is no war between her people, but in the most completely unexpected way. So I have no idea how she would pull it off, but that's where my brain has gone. I like this idea, you're, and, and you're 100% right, that the, the it does sound like... I mean, you'd have to add something to it. It's like Warbreaker the something. Okay, you're, you're doing a prediction. What what would be that? It's it's Warbreaker the what? Um, Warbreaker the selfless, because that's right. what Vivenna has always been expected to be in her life. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Vivenna is a good candidate for that. I don't... I mean, who, who are other potential candidates? I, I don't think we've ever heard of a return to dying and returning. So the return to probably all out. So who does that leave us with? We got like Siri. Sorry, uh, I, don't, I don't see Siri dying. Denth, Basher. No, I still it would think be sad Denth. if Siri dies. I, I think I tossed up before between like I think Vivenna, you're pretty well on the money. I reckon she's gonna be the one that does it, and I reckon it's gonna have something to do with Nightblood as well. And I, like it could be Siri, but I think Vivenna's the the obvious. Oh, Nightblood, you're right, because Light Song saw is painting the woman holding the black sword. Boom, yeah. there it is. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's I like Pluto. forgot about that. Yeah. I think, yeah, you've, you've hit the – I had a prediction a couple of weeks back that was something similar that one of our characters was going to be a returned, but I think what you stitched together, definitely Vivenna would be my pick. Yep. That, that is a deep-cut sort of prediction, and I like it a lot. I think that's another uh, – you put a lot of thought into that, and I like it. Mm. Yeah, because I think I theorized that the that he thought it was Warren, but it was actually Vasher because Vasher has a sword. He's got long hair, but that's uh, what I like what you said too. Because we don't really know what he saw, because it was like a visiony scene, yeah, of the p- image right. of the painting, I guess, or magic-y vision of the painting. I mean, the other thing to consider is Vasher has his eyes on Vivenna. He, we know that he's followed her around a couple of times, so there's every possibility she could get Nightblood yeah. that way. Well, yeah, especially if he, like, because, uh, you know, he say, he's mentioned now that maybe he should do away with her. Maybe if he, like, push, throws the sword down expecting expecting her to be to succumb to it, and then it turns out she wields it, that would be pretty shocking to um, him. And w- what what did he say? Nightblood can't tempt the pure of heart, or some something like that. Um, it is something like that. Hold on, because I mean, like I think Vivenna might fit that bill potentially. He says you cannot tempt the hearts of men who are pure, Nightblood. So it's not their hearts that are pure, but the men themselves. Uh, yeah, I guess so. All those pure men out there, not like 90 percent men. 100% pure, undiluted. <laughs> They're all man, baby. <laughs> okay, no, I like uh, th- th- that. That was great. I don't even know what to. That that's got some possibilities. I just, I like, uh, I like. I think Vivenna would be a good fit for that. I think you're right, but I was just like, if it wasn't her, who else could it be? Because I, uh, I just generally don't know who else it could be. Yeah, fair enough. Man, such great predictions. I don't even know where to go. I, I agree with Jack and Damie in that. Jack I think, and Damie. Wow. 
Wow. I've done that before. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Jack and Damie. Good old Jack and Damie. Uh, no, Dak and Jamie, that, uh, that this is like a, this could be like a big turning point for Vivenna. I think we talked about that earlier in the, in the episode as well. It's like, she's now been through a pretty traumatic experience. She's already like given in to the idea of relying on the breaths. So, um, we've got that kind of in play. It's very possible that she'll, she'll start to use them. If you had asked me at the outset of the book, I'd be like, nah, I bet she'll like hold on until the very end of the book before she uses them. But now I'm not so sure. Um, so we've got that potentially happening. The series Susperon stuff, I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with my theory that like that they're going to work one side of the case and Light Song's working the other side of the case and they're going to meet in the middle, which they've already kind of met in the middle because she's relied on him somewhat since I made that prediction originally. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like it's gonna, going to continue i don't know i don't know how to feel about blush weaver she she's getting these undead these lifeless together under her soul control so like is her is what she's doing altruistic i just don't know like i i don't and i think that's the point is like we're we're supposed to be very unclear about what her motivations are at this point but it just seems so dangerous what she's doing that i can't imagine that it's being done for good cause so i think she may be bad maybe she's bad in conjunction with some of the priests and and stuff but i don't know vasher seems very concerned with what the princess is doing screwing things up as he said or however he he said it so my thoughts there is he's he's wanting the war but i can't imagine why he would want the war but uh so we have that piece. Yeah, it's really just we don't know enough about the what seem to be tertiary characters, but may not be tertiary characters. We don't seem to know enough about their motivations to know exactly what's going to happen next. So, I mean, I would speculate that Vasher's a good guy. I don't know. I don't feel like this amount of mystery would be put into it. Or maybe he's an antihero, but I don't know. Something Something strikes me as hero from him. Maybe because he's the prologue guy, but I don't know. So I, I even if he's against Vavena, maybe it's because of information that he doesn't yet know. But we, of course, still don't know what he found in the basement of that palace. We don't know what the priests are hiding. So, like, mm-hmm. there's just so many variables. I'm um, I'm not sure. I don't know. And, and as for who Warbreaker is, I mean, there's a lot of people... Uh, I don't know. Breaking wars, I would assume, is why you get called that. You broke some kind of war, right? Warbreaker, the uh, the the angry, the rageful. If it was Vivenna, <laughs> she's gonna become like super rageful. Secret bad guy is Vivenna. Her rage will take over, and she will become the bad guy. We do. We are. We do already have one return character that we know of who like stopped war, but that's Peacegiver. So, yeah. Well, here's the thing. If I'm sticking with Vasher being a hero. Then I'm going to say, which I know we've kind of been leaning towards this a little bit. I'm going to say Denth slash, you know, Trelides, whatever his name is, is like the ultimate bad guy here because they're at odds, right? Like he does not like Vasher. Vasher's like really opposed. Yeah, they're opposing forces. So we've got these two guys with seemingly extremely high levels of skill or if not skill, at least power. And they're at odds. So I'm going to go with Denth being ultimate bad guy, which would be really interesting 
if he like because like I said, I think everything he's done up until this point, I've said this in a previous episode, it's been a manipulation on Vivenna. Like he's been basically telling her, hey, you shouldn't do this. Hey, you should do this. You should think about this. He's putting these little notes in her ear. And even when she was about to use the awakening power, she heard dense voice in her head. So it's like he's obviously made space in her psyche. And he's, she has taken his suggestions at first because she was ignorant of how things worked in, in Tetelier. And, you know, things were working out when she did what he said. And, and so I'm wondering, like, is his goal to basically stop this war from happening? Like, his goal seems to be to help stop the war from happening, or at least make it not go well for Tetelier. And if Vasher is against that, then there's a reason that the war is important, but I don't know what that reason is. So, like, why is war good? If if I'm saying Vasher is good and Denth is not, like, why is war good? So it can be broken? Get it. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's really all I've got. No, that was kind of vague, but, uh, yeah. That is, yeah, okay. There's some interesting thoughts in there about about Dent and kind of what because yeah you you have said for a while that you feel like he was kind of manipulating Vivenna and then we got I, I hadn't thought about Dent's voice in Vivenna's head here now I'm feeling like Reen is showing up again well we we know that wasn't actually Reen but yeah well or maybe that wasn't actually Dent you ever think of that oh it's uh it's some other god huh <laughs> does does Vivenna have any earrings maybe Ruin's talking to her mm. no she's just got colorful hair but that's pretty. Inv- I would assume that has something to do with investiture. Now I want to look at the. I want to take a look at the timeline again and see when when does when does this supposedly happen in relation to was ruin still around even? Let's find out. So Warbreaker takes place according to this, and once again this is just fan made. I don't know how accurate it is. This book takes place about 200 years after the end of Hero of Ages. So interesting. Right so after Era One, so Ruin should already be dead. Yeah, right in that sweet spot between Era 1 and Era 2. Hmm. Which actually, now that I look at it, according to this, it's like this This would also be about 100 years before the Stormlight books start. So this is all kind of, compared to some of the timelines so far, with like thousands of years happening between them, this is all relatively close. Interesting. Anyways, so yes, you've got, you, you, you've got... Some, you know, it, it was a little scattershot, but you've got the core of some interesting thoughts going on there. Yeah, and I, I think if there's interested. I think there's just too many variables for me right now. Like I can't focus in on one thing. And, you know, not because I don't want to be wrong, but just because it's like I don't I can't fathom something that sounds interesting or good enough to be possible. Mm. And it's interesting about like Vasher and Death, because like you said, they clearly they are opposed to each other. Although it seems like maybe at some point they knew each other well enough that, you know, like Dent yeah. knows what Nightblood can do and stuff. Right. So I mean, it almost it, it's funny because they do seem opposed, but it's like Dent is so angry and Vasher seems almost apathetic. Yeah. Except like eh, he's getting in my way. Right. So they could be like diametrically opposed. One of them is bad. One of them is good. Or it could be, you know, a more complex situation where there's, you know, there's yeah. a misunderstanding chaotic good, or chaotic evil. Yeah, some, you know, or it, it could even be like they're both on the same side, but they hate each other still. So uh, they mm. fight about how to do things more of like a, an anime rival situation. Yeah, you know, could be could like a Goku Vegeta type of thing. 
for some reason when you said anime rival my first thought was pokemon and his rival uh ash's rival gary or whatever his name is yeah it's like, well i mean that's, that's not quite the fucking the same gary. trope <laughs> what's what's funny to me is like in the canon in the actual games they they don't have they're not gary and ash they're uh they're like blue they're red, red and blue or whatever yeah, yeah. so yes possibilities there just like kind of nebulous at this point but uh uh, I, I will say that the next set of chapters brings some very interesting stuff into play, and I'm going to be I'm very excited for uh, discussing next week. I think that uh, some of the things that you guys have been impatient for will st- are going to start happening with these next set, and we'll see uh, what you think. Speaking of, our next set of chapters is four chapters, so 33, 34, 35, and 36. Nice, uh, nice long chunk for us to read there. So for anyone following along, which I know several people are on Warbreaker. Four chapters for next time. And in the meantime, let us go into we have a couple of new patrons and a couple of new emails. We'd had like a a slow couple of weeks before this, but now we got uh, we got some people. So, Joe, get your get your patron. Yep. Stuff ready. Mm -hmm. We have two new patrons at the ska level. The first one is Mr. Mophead. Mr. Mophead. Wow, that's an interesting uh, moniker, my friend. Mr. Mophead, you can be a sentry. You store wakefulness. And then the second one is Joshua. Joshua. You're a spinner. You store fortune. Nice. The, the fortune one is always interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. Let's. We got like three emails. Some of them are short, though, so we'll, we can probably do all these. Okay. So. Oh, and this first one we actually talked about last week, so we may not get into this much since we've already kind of given our opinions. But Scott sent an email. Question for the crew. Hi, all. Just a quick question since I was waiting for it to come up on the pod naturally, but I don't think it has. It came up last week. I want to know what the group thinks is the shard or shards on Nalthus, and who might the vessel be? The vessel. I don't uh, I don't remember if I gave an opinion on this. Uh, and if I did, I don't remember what I said. And uh, I don't have an opinion this week. <laughs> I think that was your opinion last week. I think we week, talked yeah. about the... I think we talked about the shard, and I know Dak came up with something. Maybe the vessel is blue fingers. Is that a new term for us, vessel? I don't remember that term. I mean, I, I'm assuming by context it means who's holding the shard. Yeah, we, the, call, yeah. I, we may have the called bearer. it like shard bearer or holder or something like that before, but vessel is vest- actually the term. I think I think vessel is a particularly awkward term to be using in this book, considering that's what all the Hollandrian pieces of shit oh, yeah. races are calling Siri. You're right. Yeah. It is. What's up, Vessel? Siri is the Vessel. Maybe they're yeah. just cutting out the crap and she's, she's the Vessel. Yeah. Siri Wait, is secretly that... God. Whoa. Maybe Susabron. Is... Hold on. Yeah, I was about to say, what, I think what you're about to say, Dak, is Susabron have the vest, have the shard inside of him and he passes it as his heir. Yes. And then she's the Vessel. That's why they gotta die. It's like God's power is no longer keeping him up. Yeah, mm. nuclear nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. But then, what is it? If the God King is like the embodiment of this shard somehow, what would it be? Then we woke up. We had these bodies. bodies. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. What would it be? Uh. I don't know. Something about passing from one to another because that's how the breaths are passed as well. So. Uh, forbearance i don't know i don't know what what word would would describe what i'm trying to say transference Transference. yeah i don't know it's kind of a weird attribute 
someone to have. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, what was the sh- was this shot or just like a really good mail delivery person or something? <laughs> oh my god, it's Fry. <laughs> yeah, Fry. Uh, maybe it has something to do with like energy transfers. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to do hints, but I will say that you guys are uh, the the line of thought that you're using is a really interesting one. And uh, and I think that it would be kind of fitting for it to be along those lines, given what the magic system is that we've seen. But yeah, OK. Well, Bart, your ideas are intriguing to me and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> what does Jamie think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm terrible at these sorts of uh, predictions because I just, yeah. <laughs> Can't really think of the right words. And now the data said that's maybe kind of got some some weight to it. I'm like, well, I don't know what else would go with it. I think uh, was it Dak? What was what did you say last week? Something about creativity, creation, or creativity? I thought that was really cool and would definitely. It just seems fly. like a personality attribute. So right. Mm. In the same way that maybe. him, uh, that autonomy or uh, autonomy or like what was. What was, Preservation, what was the ang- ruin. What was the the angry one that got mentioned? Odium. Odium. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Like hatefulness. I'm like, well, that, yeah. There's oh, and devotion and dominion with the others. They're the ones. Oh yes, devotion. Devotion. They're, they're the dead ones. Right. Very dead. Actually, we've got quite a list of shards that we've already found out about. Right, and I know that we have at least one other name that just came up, like when Chris was listing off some that we haven't actually seen yet, because you've predicted the possibility of it showing up a couple of places. Have I? Hang on. All right, I'm gonna find Arcanum. Keep going. I'll, I'll about take a minute. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, that 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 was a good question. Even though we talked about it last week, I feel like we got some more interesting. Uh, we, we squeezed some more interesting juice out of that one on this one. So thank you, Scott. Good good email. I like the ones that prompt discussion. The next one is from Ryan, who says, love the show. Hey, Data, Joe, Jamie, and Dak. All spelled correctly. Look at that. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast since early June. I'm not quite caught up yet. I've only just started the Bands of Morning. I would have been further along, but took two weeks off to deal with some family stuff. I mostly mention this because I enjoy hearing you all reacting to people binging your podcast. So, yeah, he started in June and has taken two weeks off and uh, is up through Bands of Morning at this point. So that's... That's pretty yeah, good that's, binge. Uh, that's quite. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a lot of that's podcasting. The, yeah, <laughs> we're only in July. That's a lot of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. but he, uh, he's real yeah. test. Were you keeping a spreadsheet of our predictions? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, bravo to you to suffer through my voice for that many hours. <laughs> Oof. I tell you. I love the podcast. Listening to your journey through the Cosmere has made my work days far more enjoyable. I've been wanting to write for a while, but wanted to wait until I either caught up or had something more to write than just I love the show. In this case, I saw a video on TikTok where Brandon talks about a typo that almost made it into Wall of Ascension. I think oh. you guys will get a laugh out of yeah. it, given your love of thick books. And so, yes, I did send them all this uh, this TikTok yesterday yeah. without mentioning that it was going to come up in the discussion today. Oh, that's funny. And I did mention thick books after you sent the video. Yep. So, uh, yes, the, in, in case you were unaware, the TikTok is Brandon talking about uh, – he mentions that there was a typo in Yumi and the Nightmare Painter that made it through. and uh, But he's like, I'm not going to talk about that one. I'm going to talk about this one that almost made it into Well of Ascension, which was uh, – what is it? Vin says that Ellen is a man a of girl magnificent of balls. Yeah, and Ellen's a man of magnificent balls, you know. <laughs> See, so when a girl of the streets meets a man with magnificent balls, we all know what's going to happen. I don't think it's actually a typo per se, because what 
it actually makes sense in context because Ellen right. is from the upper crust and he, and he attends all these marvelous balls. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the modern day and age where we all have our minds in the fucking gutter, we take it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, you know what, though, much, guys? Like, in, uh, interesting choice of wording. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what, guys? Do you remember the song in the Possum Hunters? Ellen is the man with the great big pearls. <laughs> wow. And if you want to get that joke, you need to listen to Possum Hunters Episode 1 on our Patreon. Available now. But in case you guys were interested, everyone out there, I, I had to I didn't know about the typo in Yumi, so I had to go and dig it up and uh, do some Googling to figure out what it was that Brandon didn't want to talk about. So there is a a moment where a female character says I'm or is, is supposed to say, I'm trying not to scream. And according to Peter Alstrom, who uh, is, you know works uh, for Brandon at Dragonsteel and uh, does some of this uh, some of this stuff, he was fixing a typo where the letter S in scream was capitalized when it didn't need to be, or unca- not capitalized when it didn't need to be. Doesn't matter. Anyway, but instead of replacing the S with the other capital, oh no, he just S, deleted it. No, he he put a C, and so it says, "I'm trying not to cut cream," and so mm. Uh, mm. yeah, it was it's, great. it's 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 a weird little typo, but uh, so people were enjoying pointing that out, and uh, they, I, I think they, I think I read somewhere that they've since fixed it in the digital version, but there's nothing to no, do about it in not, the print version. I was about to say, not on the hardback on my shelf. It's not. Nope. Fixed. Nope. <laughs> Can't fix that. It's print. Uh, so, yes, that was a very fun uh, TikTok that Ryan sent us. We appreciate that. And he signs the email Ryan or Darth Vane 42 in the Discord. So a lot of fun. Thank you. And finally, we have an email from Lance that says, can we be friends? Hi, Sander Lance crew. New ish listener here. First off, thank you for putting in the work to make such a wonderfully entertaining podcast. Not only do you guys give great summaries and insights to the chapters, you also have so much fun bantering back and forth. I absolutely love it. Joe, keep the Final Fantasy references coming. Oh, I didn't stop. There's one <laughs> There's one in this episode. All right, yeah, we referenced Final <laughs> Fantasy X in this episode. Yeah. Joe's just like, wasn't gonna, but okay. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. I began my Sanderson journey in November with Stormlight. That was before I knew about the greater Cosmere. I've now read all of the Cosmere, except Lost Metal, which I'm currently working on. White Sand, which I'm waiting for the Omnibus, and Secret Project 3, which I'm waiting for to come in the mail so I can read it in a single weekend. I wish I'd found this podcast sooner, because the order you guys have read the books in makes so much sense. I found your podcast when I started the Mistborn books back in February, and have been listening along episode by episode, chapter by chapter. I've had fun predigging along with Jamie, Joe, and Dak. I'm still not over the fact that Joe got two Secret Conjure predictions right. I was on board for the Tensoon prediction from Well of Ascension, but I thought the Lessie prediction for Shadows of Self was a bit out there. I stand corrected. Anyway, I just finished the first episode of The Lost Metal, and I wanted to give Dak some validation. This was the episode you mentioned, the scene you had to write set in Africa with washed-up celebrities, and then celebrities had to figure out who the secret African animal was in disguise, and they turned around and there was a hippo in a chef's costume. Uh, I can picture this scene perfectly in my head, and I burst out laughing. Not like a giggle or a chuckle, but a full-on belly laugh. My friends and I have a similar sense of humor, and it sounds like a skit that we would come up with, so I appreciate your humor in that scene a lot. Woo! Screw, screw your classmates who didn't find it funny. That's funny as hell. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to be on the same Follow wavelength up. with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you heard of the group Anti-Donna? 
They're Australian and have many YouTube oh, yes. videos. Yep. I know Auntie Donna's house. Also a Netflix special. They're absolutely my favorite comedy group out there. I've never heard of them, but if they're on Netflix. Maybe I'll check it out. They, they, they are pretty good. Some some of their skits, like, absolutely, I'm absolutely busted laughing. Other ones just don't land for me. It's so, like, and that's just comedy. Sometimes right. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, they're, they're good value. They're worth a watch. Anyway, sorry for the long email. I can be long-winded. Thank you for putting on such a great podcast. I hope the Sander Lanch babies are doing well also. Can't wait to catch up and hear your thoughts on Warbreaker as it's the best standalone Brando Sando has written and definitely top five works overall in my opinion. Wasn't to the time of next, Colo from Lance. So thank you. We appreciate it. I, I love that you've been following along so uh, so long and getting to predict stuff with everybody else. That's fun. Yeah, that is cool. Those are our emails. If anyone would like to send us an email like those folks did, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter, or I'm sorry, X now. Um, oh, God, yeah. Facebook, oh, Patreon. Oh, is that like official? I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah like the, the logo has changed on the website. Oh, I haven't changed my phone, so I didn't know. Uh, I, I, it's, still, it's still at twitter.com. I don't, I, I doubt x.com is available, but, um, X Corp. Oh my gosh. X videos. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, oof. Big oof. or on, uh, on Patreon where I am in the middle of posting my first read through reactions to you, me and the nightmare painter. And so those are, those are going up as we speak. I've got like five more already edited and scheduled to upload. So, mm. There will be content there for a couple of weeks yet to come. So enjoy that, patrons. Uh, what else? That, remember, for next time, we're doing four more chapters. Music by Miracle of Sound. Thank you to all our listeners, our patrons, people sending in emails, people in the Discord. If you'd like to join the Discord, go to our website, www.thesanderlanch.com, and there's a link at the top of the page. Interesting discussions happening there. Yeah, leave us a review, and I'll jump you into the Misting Crew. Oh, yeah, we haven't had a review in a while. If you want to leave us a review on, like, Apple Podcasts, a uh, five-star review will get you jumped into the Misting Crew by Joe. That's right. And or, then if you join the you Patreon, yep. you can, uh, yeah, then you get to be a, a fair chemist as well. We got it all going on. You could yeah, be get, a, get a you could be, what is it, what do they call them again? Twinborn. Twinborn. Yeah, 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 we had a couple of twin Twinborn, born. coincidentally, because Joe does not remember what he gave you for one thing versus the other, so. Yeah, definitely didn't, didn't remember. So, Yep. Fun stuff. Check it out. Four chapters for next time. And wasn't to the time of next. Colo? PS Fashion. Bashered all these chapters? I don't think we did. No, did we? no. no it's the bashless chapters once again. It happens. Yeah, this book is the worst.